Good morning. My name is Brandon Reynolds. I'm the preaching intern at Western Hills this summer, and I am so excited to be with you today. I'm so excited to get to share this message with you today. Nothing happens by accident. You are not here by accident. These words are not said by accident. God has put this all in motion, and today is a good day. Today I want to start with some pictures. And uh, just as some context, what I looked up to find these pictures are photos taken moments before disaster. So let's go ahead and throw the first one up. Um, so you have to look in the background, but she doesn't even know she's falling, if you can tell. She hasn't quite come to the realization yet, but when she does, I'm sure she is going to be having a blast in that pool. Let's go ahead and go to the next one. Um, this is why we have gun safety courses, because she is about to get a black eye and is not going to be having a very good time. Let's go ahead and... Uh, We've all been here, right? I mean, you're hanging on, and you're this. I know me, my uncle driving the boat, and he is going as fast as he possibly can, taking the sharpest turns, and everything is okay until you let go. And she is about to get some lungs full of water and a really sore body. Let's go ahead and go to the next one. Um, yeah, I know. How would you like to be that guy? Um, forever known as the one who dropped the wedding cake. He's going to be scarred forever, and everyone will make fun of him until Jesus comes back. Um, let's go to the next one. Uh, I'm a little brother, and so I've been on both sides of this. I've been the one throwing the snowball and the one getting hit with the snowball. When I look at these pictures, I can imagine the thoughts going through all of these people's heads. And the question that I imagine all of them asking is, why me? Why do I have to be the one to drop the wedding cake and forever be known as the wedding cake dropper? Why do I have to be the one to have not taken the gun safety course and get a black eye? Why me? And I think we ask that question a lot. And I think when we have to face our calling, when God calls us to something higher, we ask this question a lot. Because the thing is, you can ask why me in the best of circumstances and in the worst of circumstances. Why do I have to be the one to go sit with that kid who is all alone and has no friends? Why do I have to be the one to stand up for what I believe in and face my boss and maybe risk all of the good things God has given me? Why do I have to be the one to get this diagnosis? Why do I have to be the one to help someone walk through the loss of a family member? Why do I have to be the one to lose a family member? Why me? And we get stuck asking this question. And we get caught in this attitude of negativity, of why me, God? Why are you putting me in this situation? Why are you calling me to act in this situation? Why me? Can you choose somebody else? And today we're going to be talking about a young girl in the Bible who God moves in her life in powerful ways, but she's going to get a call. And when it comes, I imagine that her mind is full of this question. Why me? She's going to get some wisdom 
that's going to help her shift her attitude. Today, we're going to be talking about Esther. It's a beautiful story in the Bible. And I'm going to start by kind of outlining our cast. So I'm not going to, I'm going to introduce characters as we go through the story. So the story starts with a king, and that king's name is Xerxes. This is kind of his little bio. bio. Uh, Xerxes is a drunken, gullible king. He likes his drink, and man, he likes to party. In fact, this story starts with him throwing a massive party. He invited all of the, uh, the people in charge from all of these other provinces that he rules to come to Persia. He's the king of Persia, and he's flexing all of his wealth and all of his power, and he is showing them that I am the king, and I can give you what you want, and I can give you what you need. Well, one night, when he's had a little bit too much to drink, he takes that showing off a little too far. And he says to his servants, go fetch my queen and bring her out here in her crown so that I might show off her beauty to all of these people. And the implication is that it would be in a way that would objectify her. Well, this queen has a little bit of spunk to her, and she says, I'm not going to stand for that. I'm not going to let you do this. I refuse to do this. Well, his advisors come to him and say, as a king, that is a problem. Because if she can say no to you, heaven forbid, other men's wives might say no to them. And that sets a precedent that the king cannot have. And so what does he do? Well, he deposes her. He rejects her as queen. And Queen Vashti is her name. And she is no longer the queen of Persia. Well, now he has another problem. Now he is a king without a queen. And you cannot have that. And so to solve this problem, he decides to throw the biggest beauty pageant that has ever been thrown in all of history. There was oils, and there was perfumes, and there was all the makeup you could have ever imagined. And all of the girls from all of the provinces came and participated. And one of those girls is Esther. And Esther is a beautiful Jewish young girl who just so happens to catch the eye of the king. And rises to the position of queen of Persia. Something important to note is that Esther hides her Jewish identity. So Xerxes just knows her as beautiful queen. He doesn't see the Jewish part, but we see the Jewish part, and that's important. So Esther rises to glory and she is the queen of Persia, and she is living it up. Let me tell you, she has everything she could have ever wanted. When you imagine the life of a queen, you know the typical scene with the guy with the big leaf fanning the girl eating the grapes? That is what Esther is living right now. Now press pause. We're going to stop the story of Esther, and we're going to go to the story of her cousin. Esther has a cousin named Mordecai. And Mordecai's bio for this is he is the wise old guide. You can imagine, if Esther is Luke Skywalker, Mordecai is Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
If Esther is Frodo, Mordecai is Gandalf. Mordecai is the wise old man who comes along in the story and guides the young protege and will eventually be the one who delivers her call to her. Mordecai is an important guy. Well, Mordecai is going about his business one day, and he happens to discover a plot to kill the king. Well, Mordecai says, we can't have that. And so he, with his connection to Esther, tells her to warn the king. And she does. And he goes down in the book of the Chronicles, which records all of the things that all of the people have done for the king. And King Xerxes will remember the name Mordecai, I promise you. Well, after saving the king, Mordecai is going on a little bit of a walk. And Mordecai just so happens to run into our bad guy. We finally get to introduce the villain, Haman. And Haman is our arrogant, vengeful villain. Let me tell you about Haman. Haman is the bad guy of all bad guys. In Jewish culture, Haman is so bad that they even despise him today. Let me tell you how. So they celebrate this Jewish holiday called Purim. And part of that celebration is they would read through the book of Esther out loud. Well, during this reading, they give the little kids something like this. A rattler or a noisemaker or a cowbell. And any time that the name Haman shows up, the little kids will rattle their rattler. And they will boo and they will make noise and they will do anything they can to drown out the name of Haman. Because he is so evil and he is such a villain that his name is not even worthy of being heard. That's how bad of a guy this is. Well, Mordecai runs into our bad guy. And Haman, some things you need to know about him. is He's a powerful guy. He has also risen in power, and he is an advisor to the king. And because he has such power, he also has a lot of arrogance. And he has a big head. Well, he has such a big head that he convinces the king to enact a decree that anyone who walks past him must kneel in his presence and kneel in submission to him. Well, Mordecai when he comes into contact with Haman, refuses to kneel to Haman, refuses to submit to anyone other than God. He doesn't say that, but that's the implication. So Mordecai refuses to kneel to Haman, and Haman hears about this and witnesses it and gets a little bit fired up. As you can imagine, he has set this law in motion, and when someone doesn't follow it, when someone doesn't lower themselves to be less than him, he gets mad. This is where the vengeful part comes in. Because Haman says, I'm not only going to get revenge on Mordecai, I am going to get revenge on all of the Jews. And he convinces our little gullible king up here to enact a decree that says that on a specific day, It's Jew hunting season. 
and it is open season. Any Persian that comes into contact with any Jew can and should slaughter them on the spot with no repercussions. And Xerxes, being as gullible as he is, signs it. Because remember, he doesn't know that Esther is Jewish. Well, Mordecai hears about this decree. And he brings it to Esther. And he asks Esther to go and do something about it. And in Esther chapter 4... We get this conversation, this back and forth between their Esther sends servants and Haman sends them back. Or and not, not Haman, Mordecai sends them back. And they have this big conversation. And in Esther 4 verse 11, Esther replies to Haman, and, or not Haman, Mordecai. And she says, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law, to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. This response is Esther's, why me? moment. Mordecai has brought her this decree and he has said, you have the chance to do something. But Esther looks at the situation. She looks at her circumstances and she says, I could lose everything. God has given me all of these wonderful things. He has put me in this wonderful position of queen and you're calling me to throw it all away? You're calling me to throw even my life away, potentially. And I can't picture this without imagining that Esther is asking, why me, God? Why do I have to be the one to do this? Well, Mordecai is going to reply, and I think his reply shifts her attitude and should shift all of ours. Starting in verse 13, then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Other translations say, who knows whether you have not come to your position for such a time as this. So here's something I haven't told you about the book of Esther. And it's really important that you understand it. The name of God is not mentioned once in the book of Esther. God does not appear in the book of Esther. But he's clear to see. God works in the background throughout the entire book of Esther to set up the calling for her. And she doesn't have the eyes to see it. 
And when she asks the why me, when she gives that reply of I could die and you're calling me to throw this all away, it's a clear indicator that she doesn't understand what's happening. And Mordecai's response opens her eyes to the fact that God has been preparing you for this moment this entire time. God has set up this moment just for you. And here you are. So what are you going to do? I think we often don't see God working in the background. Because we don't really get the privilege of direct speech from God, or at least I definitely haven't. We don't hear the voice of God directly. We don't see the robe of God. We don't get to see all these crazy miracles where God shows up and shows himself. We have to look for him moving in the background, just like Esther did. And I think when we get caught in this trap of why me, why me, why me, it's because we do not have the eyes to see that God has been preparing us for his calling this entire time. So, how do we see God moving in the background? Well, following the story of Esther directly, I'm going to give some advice based off of what she does. The first thing that you need to do is open your eyes to your Mordecai. Who are those people that God has put in your life that will be the guide for you? Who are those people that God has put in your life who will challenge you when you ask, why me? Who will say, maybe you are called to something higher? And who will be willing to push you to be a better version of yourself and to answer the call when it comes? Next, we need to open our eyes to our gifts. God gave Esther so many gifts. He gave her the poise to handle herself properly and catch the attention of the king. He gave her the courage to answer the call when it came. But most of all, and I'm not saying this is the most important gift, I'm saying this is the most relevant to this story, God gave her beauty. And beauty is something that can only come from God. God equipped her with her beauty to rise to the position that she needed to, to be in the situation that she needed to for him to deliver the call and for her to answer. And can I just say, I know what that's like. I know the struggle of having the gift of beauty. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, it's, it's hard. All jokes aside, God gives us the gifts to equip us, to get us in the position to where we can use them when the call comes. And oftentimes, we close our eyes to the gifts. But when we open our eyes to the gifts, beautiful things can happen. And finally, we need to open our eyes to our opportunities. I'll tell you what we often do. We open our eyes to our circumstances. It is really easy to look at your circumstances. Because when things are going bad, it is easy to focus on the bad. And when things are going great, it is easy to focus on all of the good things that are, it, the circumstances 
But what we need to do is open our eyes to our opportunities. Because when we see God working in the background, we will see opportunities instead of circumstances. So that when the bad things come, when the tough circumstances come, you do not get caught, bogged down, stuck in the reality of your circumstances. But you can look and see the opportunities that God has placed in front of you that we close our eyes to. The Oxford Dictionary defines an opportunity as the following. A set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. I'm going to change that definition for this sermon. Not too much, but it, it, it'll work. So let's go to the definition. A set of circumstances that God uses to make it possible to do something. See, Esther, when she sees God working in the background, she gains the clarity to see that God has been working in the background this entire time to prepare her for her call. And it wasn't explicit, and it wasn't a big aha moment. It wasn't God speaking to her directly. It was God working in the background to prepare her. And when she finally gains the eyes to see it, she's willing to answer the call. And when we finally gain the eyes to see it, we are able to see what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. No circumstance is an, ac is an, is an accident. Every circumstance is an opportunity. It all depends on how we look at it. And it all depends on whether we can see God moving in the background or not. And let me be bold enough to make the claim that when we learn to see opportunities instead of circumstances, the question changes from why me to why not me. Why wouldn't I be the one to go sit with that kid who has no friends? Why wouldn't I be the one to be brave enough to stand up against my boss for the things I believe in? Oh, man. Why wouldn't it be me? And when we gain the courage and the clarity to shift the question from why me to why not me, beautiful things will happen. Let me give you an example of this. So, I finally get to tell you a little bit of my story. I was born with severe eczema. If you don't know what eczema is, it's a skin disorder that, it's an autoimmune disorder that basically makes my body attack itself. And my skin gets really dry and itchy and inflamed. And oftentimes it causes me a lot of discomfort. And oftentimes it causes me a lot of pain. And I have had it since I was born. And if I'm being honest, there have been 21 years of me asking that question. And I have had to wrestle with why me over and over and over again. 
And that question has led me to have to answer two other questions. The first of which is, does God hate me? Because how could I go through all of these things? How could I go through all of this suffering? How could God allow that if he didn't hate me? Well, that question led me to another one. Do I hate God? And let me be honest with you. There have probably been times in my life where I would have said yes to that. But after I gained the clarity to see that what was happening to me was not punishment, but it was preparation. Everything changed. So, that phrase, this isn't punishment, this is preparation, let me tell you where it comes from. I had some coaches in high school, and whenever we were doing conditioning, man, they would go to town. I mean, they loved conditioning. If they could make someone throw up or cry, they were having the best day of their life. But they were infamous for this phrase. This isn't punishment. This is preparation. And they would throw it out over and over and over again. And I think when we get stuck in the why me's of life, we see it as punishment when in reality it is preparation. And everything that God was doing through Esther and even the calling for her to give everything away was not punishment or reward. It was preparation. And God had been preparing her from the day she was born to receive that call in that moment. And when she gained the eyes to see it, she answers the call and she saves all the Jews. All of this story, this story, and the, and the why me story, and my story, has made Romans 8.28 come to truth in my life. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Can I be bold enough to say God has a purpose for you? And that all of the circumstances of your life have been leading up to you answering that purpose. And that all things will work together for good. Maybe not for fun. And maybe not for happiness. And maybe sometimes things won't be good. But all things will work together for good. And for God's will. Because he has called you for a purpose. That only you can answer. And he has been preparing you for that purpose since the day you were born. And so that leads me to the question. Will you change the question? From why me to why not me? Will you gain the eyes to see God working in the background and change your attitude, change your perspective, and change the question? Will you pray with me?
Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the powerful ways you move in our lives. Thank you for the opportunities that you give us every day. God, please give us the eyes to see those opportunities. Help us open our eyes to the fact that you have been working and you will be working. And that we are not alone. And that circumstances are never just circumstances, but they are opportunities. God, help us honor you this week. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Go ahead and throw the response slide up. If you need anything, if you have any need, if you have some circumstances that you need to change into opportunities, or any other need that you have, send a text to this number, or come down front. We will have ministers down here who would be happy to talk to you. Meyer is going to dismiss us, but after that, we have a gift for you. We have calling cards. And my challenge for you is to put one of them in your wallet. And what they say is they have the three-step process of open your eyes to your Mordecai, open your eyes to your gifts, and open your eyes to your opportunities. And then if you flip it over on the back, it has the question, why not me? And then it has the verse where Nathan challenges Esther that perhaps she has come to her position for a reason. Pick one up on your way out. We'll have people at the doors. Have a good week. Open your eyes to the fact that God has been working in the background. And join with me as we stand and as we sing.